Welcome to Beyond the Bell. Today's guest is Adriana Chavira, who teaches photography, English, and student media at Daniel Pearl Magnet High School, the smallest comprehensive high school in the Los Angeles Unified School District, which has been fully remote since March. So welcome, Adriana, to Beyond the Bell. Um, We know each other through the Journalism Education Association. Um, We're currently mentors together for the program, and I'm just really happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you, and I'm glad to be invited. Thanks. So you teach in the LA area, and um, you've been teaching remotely since March. Can you describe how that's been for you? Um, it's been very interesting. Yes, I have been remote uh, since March. Uh, March 13 was the last day that we were in class. Um, and since then, it's been fully remote. Um, I teach three sections of photography. Uh, I also teach uh, in one publications class, which has the news magazine, yearbook, and the website. And then uh, I teach one section of Honors English 10. Um, so it's a lot of classes. Um, It's been very interesting, Um, you know, some classes going well, others, you know, just like sometimes I just, you know, it's very frustrating and sometimes, you know, just feel more like I'm just babysitting, Uh, but, you know, you just kind of have to, you know, go with the flow and, you know, try the best as you can. Um, And, you know, I, in, in the spring, uh, you know, our school district, you know, did some uh, professional development for teachers so that we can make sure that, you know, we're doing things well online. So, you know, the online technology, you know, different uh, apps to keep kids engaged. I think I'm doing well with that, but it's just more of having kids turn in their work, participate in class. Um, And I think they're having a harder time. I I teach mostly freshmen and I think, you know, they, the transition from middle school to high school is tough enough. And I think, for them to come into a school where they don't know kids or, um, you know, they're not familiar with, you know, your curriculum, it just throws them for a loop. Um, I teach at a small school. We have about 260 students uh, and it's a magnet school. So we get kids from all over the Los Angeles area. So it's not from just one particular neighborhood. So usually kids do not come in knowing uh, other students in the school. And so that's been a tough, uh, tough thing for them too. Um, And, you know, you just kind of, you know, in some classes, uh, you know, I have a high percentage of kids passing and another one, it's the, uh, have a high percentage of students failing. And, um, you know, that's sad. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, there's kind of a push for us to go back to in-person instruction. Uh, but we just, you know, the levels of infection here in Los Angeles are just very high. And, um, you know, I'm not sure whether, you know, if and when we will go back to campus. So which classes um, have been the most challenging of the three classes that you teach in terms of remote teaching remotely? Um, I guess photography. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one issue is that um, not ever, not all the students have a phone, you know, and so that's what they're, you know, that's what I'm using. You know, they have to take photos with their phone. So mm-hmm. not all the students have that. Um, some students are not able to, let's say, download a particular app to, you know, edit their photos. So that's been challenging. Um, 
some of the students use Chromebooks. And so that kind of limits in terms of what they're able to access because the school gave uh, or school district gave students some Chromebooks and, um, you know, some apps that I would use in my curriculum, you know, are blocked. So that's a bit challenging sometimes. Like I just had, Mm -hmm. you know, we had, I had them do something on humans of New York on Instagram. And so that was blocked on there. So it was like, you know, it was just frustrating, you know, but I mean, we got, I got around it, but I figured out a way to do it or have them do it. But it's just little things like that, that kind of throw me for a loop sometimes. Um, And you just have to kind of, you know, try to figure out a different way to make sure that those students have access to the curriculum or, you know, change things so that they, you know, are able to do something similar. So you just have to be flexible. So what have you done with the students that don't have phones to take photos? Um, I just ask them if they can, you know, uh, borrow, you know, the parents' phones for the activity. Uh, maybe they're, they can take photos with their um, computer, fo- uh, computer uh, I guess, computer uh, photo booth or something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't had too much. I mean, I, I think the ones who, you know, want to do the assignments, they figure out a way. Uh, and then others who don't want to do it, don't do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I teach a digital storytelling class and that is, is the same thing, just apps not working or, you know, kids not having certain access or uh, things going awry and me not being there to sort of support them. So it's a ton of flexibility more so than ever before. So I totally understand that. What is your schedule like in terms of when you're remote? Do you see your students every day or is it some kind of AB kind of schedule or? Um, No, the district totally changed our schedules and I'm kind of glad uh, they changed our schedule. Uh, We have, we see students every other day. um, And actually we only see them uh, officially twice a week. So um, let's say on the Tuesday we have periods one, two, and six. And then the next day we have periods two, four, and six. Um, On Mondays we have, what's called instructional support day, which is more like tutoring for the class. So we're not supposed to teach any new instruction or new lessons. It's more of, okay, let's, you know, maybe refocus on this skill or let's, you know, catch up on some work that you're missing, something like that. Um, So there's no official class or lessons on that day. So that only gives us two days a week with our classes. And so that's not enough. So, you know, in terms of what curriculum you're able to get in one semester, is very little you know it's like I'm so far I mean we're only pretty much able to get like half of our curriculum that we usually Mm -hmm. do um and then we have an advisory class which is kind of like a homeroom 30 minutes each day um and actually that's also Tuesdays through Friday um and it's more for social emotional learning just you know to give the kids support kind of have some sort of um I guess camaraderie or you know just talk about how they're feeling that sort of thing um, and so that's um, four times a week that we have that. Um, our school district uh, changed the time we start. So instead of starting at eight o'clock in the morning, we start at nine. Which oh, that's uh, great! I am thankful for that. I'm not a morning person. I'm sure it's good for the students because yeah. they always sleep in. So well, they still sleep in. So yeah, you know, <laughs> nine is still too early for them, right? They're still waking up five minutes before class, or right. you know. <laughs> stragglers at you know coming in 10 minutes after class started um but personally I like that time that you know we're starting later and then our day finishes at 2 15 which is an hour earlier than it normally did mm-hmm. so but it's still a draining day even though technically it's shorter hours it's still a draining day 
Yes, I find that teaching on Zoom is 100% more draining and I'm literally just sitting at my desk, which I'm like, why is that? Yes. It's just, it, it's definitely harder to teach this way and it meant more and mentally more exhausting. Um, you, your schedule, I, I wanted to go back to the advisory um, that you're talking about. Are these students that you, you typically, if you were in school, you have a relationship with those students already, or did they form this advisory special for this situation? Yeah, the advisories were specifically for this uh, situation um, mm. for distance learning. Um, we have uh, ten, no more than ten kids, pretty much in each session. So the kids are have one advisory every day, and then they have an hour lunch. Teachers teach one thirty-minute advisory, then we have our thirty-minute lunch, then we have a second advisory. So we still have a 30 minute lunch. Uh, students are lucky and I'm envious that they have an hour lunch because 30 minutes is never enough. But um, yeah, so we teach two advisories. And so we have students who they're not in our They're just I guess they were randomly, randomly placed uh, for my students that I have. I think it's I think it was more of they were placed by last names. So, you know, like. You know, so. I guess they were just randomly put into um, teachers' uh, classes by their last name. So we have kids from different grade levels. Um, I pretty much know all the students in mine just because I've had pretty much all the students in photography or what used to be called Journalism 1 at my school. So that's pretty much a class that all freshmen take. So for mine, you know, it's like I pretty much know all the kids in our school. So I already have, you know, these kids already. So I have, I sort of have, unless they're new to the school, I already have a relationship with them. And so do you find, how was student participation and engagement in that advisory class? Um, I mean, they all participate because we have, um, you know, I ask them a, like a check-in question at the beginning. Either they type it in the chat or we write it on a Jamboard or I ask them to verbally share their information. It varies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a small class. They all participate. Um you know, there are a couple of kids in there from my student publication class uh, and both of my classes. I had like, you know, two kids in each one. Um, and so I I don't think I mean, I think I, I they all participate. And even in my other classes, you know, if I call on the kids, for the most part, they will answer. They will participate unless they, you know, have their video off and and, you know, they walked away for the rest of the period, which that happens in some classes. Uh, but for the most part, the students, you know, will participate if called on. How's your publication class going remotely? Um, it's going good, uh, considering, you know, we've been fully remote. Um, you know, kids are trying their best. We're still putting out our yearbook. You know, we have our summer spreads already getting ready for a deadline. Um, and, you know, we put out two issues of our news magazine um, on the news website. We have, I mean, they publish like three, four times a week. So they have content, um, you know, it's, it's been a struggle sometimes for the kids to meet deadline or get access to, you know, certain students for interviews, but um, they've been able to, you know, luckily do, you know, get something out. Yeah. At the presentation I gave yesterday at the, you know, national journalism convention, I had students ask me specifically about that, like struggling to find sources or people to write about because they're not connected as they would be in, you know, in the classrooms and hallways of, a normal school year. So what, what have you encouraged your publication students to do in terms of reaching out and getting sources? 
Um, well, one thing is pretty much all the kids are in advisories where they have 9, 10, 11, 12th graders. So I say, you know, ask there, ask in some of your other classes. Um, I said, you know, look at our social media and see who's following us. Contact some of them, you know, because you may not know who they are, but they're following us. Contact them through there. Uh, sometimes I intercede and because I pretty much have all the kids, uh, or at least let's say my yearbook kids, they need a freshman to ask, you know, questions. I send a question out to the freshmen and say, hey, you know, who's, you know, who's uh, interested in being interviewed for this? And they, you know, they volunteer or something like that. So sometimes I do that. I try not to do that. Uh, but, um, you know, so if, if, if I see that the student's uh, reporter is struggling, I try to help them. How big is your staff? Um, I have about 28 kids for all three publications. Mm. That's a decent size. Yeah. So what is it like in Los Angeles right now? What's the sort of mood? Um, do you have a, isn't in California get a new lockdown recently or yes, attempted uh, lockdown uh, in, this in week? Los Angeles County. Uh, we got a curfew now. Uh, can be out from 10 PM to 5 AM. Now today it's the whole state starts. Uh, I guess in only counties that have, that are in the purple tier, which, Los Angeles has been for the longest time. Um, and so I don't know. Um, I guess I'm, I'm kind of just bracing for bra- my um, personally, I'm bracing myself for uh, more of a lockdown as like as in closing certain businesses or no more outdoor dining, that sort of thing. Because uh, right now, you know, we kind of do have outdoor dining um, in, you know, most stores are open. Um, so it's kind of sort of been you know, kind of back to normal, I guess, but it hasn't, which is probably one of the reasons why our uh, numbers haven't really gone down. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we get a lot more restrictions in the next couple of weeks. What was the reaction to the, the curfew? <clears throat> um, at least from like my circle of friends, we're not really, you know, out much. Uh, so that I haven't, you know, haven't seen too much of a backlash. I think it's more maybe in other areas, other counties where people are more, you know, don't want to wear their mask or they're not, um, maybe they're not in the same political uh, party as the governor here. Um, so I, I, I don't, I think there has been, you know, some, and obviously businesses, they're, they're hurting, um, you know, and they want to stay open, but, um, you know, we still have no control over the, the virus is still, you know, increasing and it's just, you know, as we get into, you know, the holidays, it's going to even increase even more because people are not socially distancing. They're, you know, not following um, um, protocols and they're just, you know, out there like as if, you know, we're, you know, a year ago. So it, mm-hmm. and we can't we can't go, you know, like it was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, that's. Sounds pretty similar to here in Chicago. I'm sure a lot of the big cities uh, are pretty much the same. I mean, in general, I think people here wear their masks and socially distance as much as they can. But it's, you know, I think people are making individual decisions in friend groups or with their kids in school or their kids playing sports. And so, um to me, these like hat, like LA, like I, when I read the one in, um, in California, I'm like, it felt similar to here where it's like kind of not as far as maybe they should go, 
Like right. it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to put these, um, restrictions in place, go all the way instead of these half ones that really aren't going to make any difference. Right. And I mean, from 10 o'clock, I don't think, you know, I don't know how many people right. are still out at 10 o'clock at night. Right. You know? I mean, bars haven't been open there. Have they for a while? Well, no, no. Well, I I can't speak for the whole state, but in Los Angeles County, there's no indoor dining. So, you know, there's limited restrictions. So everything has been outdoor uh, dining. Um, You know, bars have been, um, I guess, creative in how they're serving. I haven't been to a bar since I don't know how long, but we haven't. um, Yeah, I I mean, indoor um, dining is not allowed in Los Angeles County. I know other counties are you know, they're having that, but not here. Mm-hmm. So what have you been doing um, throughout all this to kind of stay sane and healthy mentally and physically? Um, well, I've been um, jogging. Uh, I run. Um, I'm training for the Los Angeles Marathon. And so I've been, that takes up some time. So luckily, since we start work at nine o'clock, um, I jog in the morning. Um, you know, like I try to do that every other day. Um, so that helps. Um, if I'm not, if I don't go out for a jog, then I try to do like a 30 minute, you know, video workout just to stay sane. Um, that, and then in the evenings I try to, um, watch TV. I usually don't watch much Netflix, but I've been, you know, every evening by eight o'clock, I try to, you know, be there to watch a movie, watch some sort of series. Um, and you know, when baseball season was here, then obviously I was watching the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so that, you know, that helps. Um, just kind of like to make sure that I'm not in front of the computer grading, doing some something for school. I just want need to like not do that or, you know, have some time for myself. Do you feel like you're working more than you have before? Um, sometimes I do. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I was all, I mean, I always like at, when we were in in-person instruction, I was pretty much at my school until six o'clock at night. Um, you know, and so here um, I'm, Probably still, you know, at my computer until about six and then I stop. Um, and so I try to not work too much um, because I probably, you know, if I wasn't, let's say, you know, going and watching, you know, the Queen's Gambit, then I probably uh, <laughs> would be, uh, you know, going through some yearbook spread or, um, you know, copying something. So I, I try to leave my laptop, at, you know, upstairs in my office so that I'm not doing that while I'm watching TV. Well, I just finished the Queen's Gambit this morning and I just love, I just love that show. I wanted there to be more episodes. (laughs) I I was like, what do you mean? There's only seven episodes. (laughs) I actually, I I binged on it uh, and I usually don't binge, but I binged on it uh, last weekend. So I did that. Um, Yeah. So it's just, uh, that's that's what's kind of been getting me through it. I I probably should be reading instead of uh, watching TV, but it's just, I just need to not think. So, right. I find it hard. Yeah. It's hard to read sometimes after you've been staring at the screen and reading all day for our jobs. So I I hear you on that. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to watch a good show or sometimes I, I I watch a lot of bad reality TV too, like mindless things like the bachelorette. So then I don't really think at all. (laughs) Like the queen's gambit is a little bit makes you think a little bit more than the bachelorette (laughs) so but well I wish you the you know we're recording this the week before Thanksgiving so Mm -hmm. I I wish you a a very um healthy break um that we are all of us teachers are a well-deserved break um over on the Thanksgiving 
holiday, but I wish you the best out there in Los Angeles. And I hope you stay safe and um, enjoy at least you're warm out there. We're very cold here. So (laughs) I'm not looking forward to winter. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Bell. If you are interested in being a guest on this podcast or know of someone who might be interested, please direct message me on Twitter at Evelyn A. Lauer and send me your contact information and I will be in touch with you regarding how to become a guest on this show. I am looking for teachers from all disciplines of all levels who are currently teaching remotely, hybrid, or in person. I hope you'll continue to listen to this podcast as we continue to teach 